Next on Annenberg Radio News. Reasons for setting a fire it could be revenge, it could be concealment of a crime, it could be what we call pyromania, which is actually considered a mental disorder. An expert says why arsonists strike, how they become arsonists in the first place, plus the latest statistics and accounts from Southern California's wildfires. Good afternoon and welcome to Annenberg Radio News for Thursday, October 25th, 2007. I'm Tom Sparks. President Bush and Senator Dianne Feinstein visited areas devastated by the fire today. Three people died in the wildfires, all of them from San Diego. It's estimated that in San Diego County alone, the losses from the fires will add up to $1 billion. Kelly Kildwell has more on the status of the fires. The Santiago fire is 30% contained, down from 50% yesterday. The fire is moving east and is expected to hit Riverside County in the next 12 hours. It has already claimed 14 homes in Orange County. Police arrested 41-year-old Catalino Pineda in Los Angeles. Officials say Pineda was seen starting a fire in the San Fernando Valley. He has been booked for arson, but police can't yet confirm his connection with any of the wildfires in Southern California. There is good news for L.A. County. The Malibu Canyon, Buckweed, and Magic Fires are all completely contained. Los Angeles has contributed about 150 firefighters, but all Los Angeles firehouses are staffed and able to respond. This is Kelly Kidwell with Annenberg Radio News. Thanks, Kelly. Our Sam Farber has a special report from the scene of one of the fires. Fire trucks idle along Live Oak Canyon Road, a rally point for the crews fighting the Santiago fire in Orange County. Million-dollar houses dot the canyon landscape. They used to be surrounded by picturesque trees, Now it is mostly their charred remains carpeting the canyon floor, or dead leaves, branches, and tall, dry grass, waiting for a floating ember to ignite them. Helicopters roar overhead, working with firefighters on the ground to battle hot spots, together trying to drown the flames and save what they can at the Santiago fire line. Sam Farber, Annenberg Radio News. You can see photos and a full account of Sam's experience on the fire lines on our San Diego Canyon fire page. It's all here on AnnenbergRadio.com. Check out our website later this afternoon. The House of Representatives passed a revised version of the state's children's health insurance program bill today, but not by a large enough margin to override a presidential veto. The bill passed by a vote of 265 to 142. That's 25 votes short of the two-thirds majority needed. This is the second S-chip bill the House has voted down this year. Democrats modified the original bill after Congress failed to override the president's veto. The Los Angeles Police Department celebrated the reappointment of its chief of police. Kiara Kanzi has more. I do solemnly swear. I do solemnly swear. Police Chief William Bratton was sworn in today for a second States. term during a public ceremony at the Elysian Park Police Academy. I am proud to be a cop and I am now proud to be chief of this great department. You know, these officers and these civilians, these men and women who over the last five years have continued to make this city a safer city. Bratton was unanimously reappointed in June for a second term, soon after the May 1st confrontation at MacArthur Park, where police officers fired rubber bullets and tear gas against marchers in a pro-immigration rally. Mayor Antonio Villaraigosa stressed today the level of leadership Bratton has demonstrated. Chief Bratton has proven to be a true leader. His leadership in the wake of the May 1st incident was fair and decisive, and his actions have been swift and transparent. 
During Chief Breton's first term, Los Angeles saw a reduction in crime of close to 50 percent. But City Council President Eric Garcetti says it's important to look beyond the numbers. We're talking about stories, not statistics. We're talking about names, not numbers. So often we forget the flesh and blood, the people that are behind what happens in a city. Kiara Kansi, Edinburgh Radio News. State Senator Mark Ridley Thomas is running for county supervisor. He's running for Yvonne Burke's spot on the County Board of Supervisors. Burke is retiring. Ridley Thomas was a city council member for 12 years, representing District 8 before he went to Sacramento. He was replaced on the L.A. City Council by former Los Angeles Police Chief Bernard Parks, who Ridley Thomas will be running against in what looks like will be a highly contested race. A new metro line destined to link downtown to Santa Monica has community members raising concerns. Council member Herb Wesson spoke to the African-American Chamber of Commerce about the plan. Victoria Sanchez has the story. The Expo light rail line will start at 7th and Fig and eventually hit the beach, but it's the stops in between that concern the community. Councilman Herb Wesson represents some of the neighborhoods on the rail line. I mean, many of them have been there 40 and 50 years, and there's never, even though there's been a train track there forever, they've never had to deal with a train coming through. African-American Chamber of Commerce Chairman Gene Hale says he wants to make sure the local community is involved with the project. We also want to make sure that the workforce is... Uh, minority as well. One of the Expo line stops will be near Dorsey High School on Farmdale and Exposition Boulevard. Parents and residents want this section of the line to be underground to avoid accidents. Wesson is still working to resolve these issues. He says all of LA will benefit from improving public transportation. Especially in the long run. You know, in order to build the type of uh, rail system that we really need, it's going to take time, and this is one piece in the puzzle. The first part of the two-phase plan is scheduled to open in 2010 and will take passengers from downtown to Culver City in less than 30 minutes. Victoria Sanchez, Annenberg, Radio News. Next up on Annenberg Radio News, if disaster struck Los Angeles, how would you find out? That story next. Many communities in Los Angeles County are at high risk for brush fires, but there's no countywide phone alert system to serve these areas. Jean-Luc Renault has more. Over half a million residents in San Diego County received fire warnings or evacuation notices from automated phone services this week, known as reverse 911 systems. The city of Los Angeles has a reverse 911 system in place for such emergencies, but the county does not. You know, our our uh, fire chief and our uh, police chief agree that a countywide system really is what we need here. Matt Sabo is press secretary for L.A. Mayor Antonio Villaraigosa. I mean, the city, the city has a system in place to address city-specific issues, but if it's a major disaster, if it's an earthquake, if it's uh, some other kind of uh, a widespread disaster, it's not going to respect city borders. Well before the fire started, L.A. County officials sent out requests for proposals to emergency notification contractors. In doing so, officials had to keep in mind the challenges of implementing such a system in all 4,084 square miles of the county. We will evaluate all of the requests, all of the proposals to see whether or not they meet all of the needs that we have. Tony Bell is the spokesman for L.A. County Supervisor Michael Antonovich. The large 5th district is made up of the San Fernando, San Gabriel, and Antelope Valleys that are currently not serviced by a reverse 911 system. We have a number of languages in Los Angeles County. We have cell phones. We have computers that are hooked up to phone numbers, of course, and the, you know, the Internet and, and 
Uh, we have answering machines, and there's, we have unincorporated areas, and we have city areas. The recent fires have put pressure on the county to put a notification system in place. Officials say they will have one up and running in the next two months. Jean-Luc Renault, Annenberg Radio News. This report was prepared with help from Brian Frank and Tim Worth. Fires can start in many ways, but one of the most distressing is arson. In fact, at least two of the current wildfires ravaging Southern California have been started by arsonists. Our reporter Matthew Mundy takes a look at how arson investigators figure out how these fires start. As a 23,000-acre fire continues to scorch Orange County, many were shocked to find out today that fire officials suspect the cause of the blaze was arson. Fire investigators were able to discover that the fire had multiple points of origin, confirming that it was deliberately set. As retired fire investigator Jim Allen explains, the process of figuring out what causes a fire is its own exact science. Fire is, first of all, is not haphazard. Fire follows the laws of chemistry and physics and burns in a very specific set of circumstances depending upon whether or not you're dealing with a wildland fire uh, or a structure fire. By painstakingly tracing back the growth of a fire, investigators are able to figure out exactly where and how the fire started. Unfortunately, that's the easy part. What comes next, figuring out how to find the arsonist, is far harder. Uh, Unless there's some evidentiary component of the fire setting, number one, or witness, uh, witnessed activities, uh, then it's very difficult uh, to come up with uh, the individual. For some Californians, all this talk of arson can bring back bad memories, as many have lost homes in the past from deliberately set fires. Kay Grant of San Diego, who along with many of her neighbors lost her home in a 1996 arson, describes the emotional roller coaster that the ordeal took her on. It's like amazing that... Um, that, and, and tremendous respect for, for those people who can do that investigation. Anger that people like that are running around setting these fires. And, uh, you know, and then sadness that, uh, that they're so mentally ill. A $120,000 reward is currently being offered for any information leading to a conviction in the Santiago fire arson. Matthew Mundy, Annenberg Radio News. Earlier today, I spoke with USC doctoral student and criminal profiling expert Robert Shug about why people commit arson. Like all criminal behavior, not all arsonists are the same, and certainly we can look to common factors within criminality in general. But reasons for setting a fire could be revenge, it could be concealment of a crime, it could be insurance fraud, it could be what we call pyromania, which is actually considered a mental disorder where the individual is um, experiencing stress in their life and they need to release the stress somehow and the fire sort of serves to alleviate that stress. As far as childhood factors, you really are looking toward common themes, low self-esteem, social inadequacies, frustrations, low IQ and environmental problems. All sorts of those things could you know, lend themselves to an individual certainly capable of committing arson in particular. Is this an addictive compulsion? Do we have to fear that this is going to happen again? Well, there isn't a lot of research and certainly it has been considered in some cases um, sort of a compulsive behavior. And anytime you're dealing with what we call classical conditioning, where a person is sort of learning to be reinforced through a behavior. I mean, if you're looking at an individual who sets fires for sexual gratification, 
gratification, for example, and that is known to happen. Or perhaps an individual who uh, feels very small about himself and he wants to feel powerful by watching his fires on TV, by injecting himself in the investigations. A lot of times these arsonists will be the ones to call in the alarm. They'll be the ones there sort of watching and trying to help if they can. From a psychological perspective, if you're being sort of reinforced every time that happens, and certainly you might say the person will be sort of driven to do it again the next time they're experiencing whatever stress led them to get there in the first place. Now, you mentioned they might stay near the scene of the crime. Is there a chance that they'll look for recognition? Might they turn themselves in? I would imagine not, particularly if, if, if we're dealing with a compulsion. Um, if you're dealing with an individual who, who is doing it for sexual gratification or to raise their self-esteem, if, if the person really does want to build a self-esteem and want his 15 minutes of fame, per se, then, you know, arguably... Being on national TV, identified as major arsonist, would probably um, provide that for him. I I think it could probably go either way, depending on the specific motive of the individual. Robert Shug is also an instructor in criminal profiling at Cal State Los Angeles. Now we check in with Jessica Lane to find out what's coming up on Annenberg TV News at 6 p.m. on Trojan Vision. Thanks, Tom. Tonight we talked to Malibu residents returning home after the fire. We asked them why they continue to live in an area that's prone to fires. Also, we'll look at what the state and federal agencies are doing to help people. You could always watch us on the web at ATVN.org or live at Trojan Vision at 6 o'clock. Thanks, Jessica. Halloween started earlier for animals at the Los Angeles County Zoo. They were fed meat filled with pumpkins, meat-filled pumpkins, pardon me, as part of the zoo's stomp-and-chop breakfast. Hippos, bears, and tigers all got to feast on the jack-o'-lanterns. Curator Jenny McNary says, like many first-time trick-or-treaters, the animals had to get help from their moms. It's the first time they've actually even seen a pumpkin. So they were pretty funny when they saw them rolling and trying to grab onto them and roll around on them. It was pretty funny. Stomp and Chomp kicks off Boo at the Zoo. You can see photos of the animals on our website, as well as pictures from the fire lines in Orange County. So keep clicking on AnnenbergRadio.org. Looks like mostly clear skies tonight, with areas of smoke reducing visibility at times. Lows in the 50s. Of course, we'll still be dealing with that smoke tomorrow, but it will be cooler, with highs around 78 degrees. And as usual, a sunny forecast for what should be a spooky weekend. That's right, don't miss the 108th annual Dia de los Muertos Festival, this Saturday from 4 till 11 p.m. at the Hollywood Forever Cemetery in Hollywood. There'll be performances, music, local artisans, and traditional Mexican cuisine. For all of us here at Annenberg Radio News, I'm Tom Sparks.